Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right. All right. You were saying. I was saying that you leave in the 54321 on the audio show, according to our son, a lot of the time. I don't believe that's true. Well, he was listening to it on a phone on Apple Podcasts last night when he came home from camp. He was starved for burn barrel because mm-hmm. it's no phones at camp. And he had it on on the, I- on the iPhone. And I... um. I needed the iPhone, so I took that away from him and put it on YouTube. But as the show was getting started on the iPhone on Apple Podcasts, your voice was counting in five, four, three, two, one, and I said, "Oh, Dad left that in. That's funny." And he said, "Oh yeah, he has that in there all, a lot." I don't think times. that's true. That is not true. He said I it's mean, in the- there a lot. In the one from two nights ago, it's definitely in there because I heard two it. Two nights ago was that Sunday? Not no. Sunday, but. Two, I mean, two, oh, two shows so ago. Thursday. So whatever, Thursday's show. It's definitely in there on Thursday's show. But um, he said it's in there frequently. I I dispute that. Okay, I, well, I, let's put out to the listeners and see if that's true. There was one time last week where you where I said I was going to keep it in, or you said you were going to keep it in or something. I always keep in your show. I mean, I don't normally start the show until you've counted 5, yeah. 4, 3, 2, 1. On the live stream, it's in there because I usually start the stream first before we start the recorded show. That's it. It would seem just so odd to me because like, immediately once the show is done, immediately I clip the back, I clip the front just to for. But do you clip the front from where it looks like the audio starts? Because maybe you're seeing. Where do you think I clip the front? Well, after the five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> I clip it after the five, four, three, two, one. Well, apparently not. <laughs> no, and then I and then I generally um, mm. I then I um, compress it, then I change the volume, and then I save it, then I upload it. That mm-hmm. is like I'm not that. Sure. This has not happened. This is an incorrect. Nobody has on. ever heard. Nobody has ever heard my five, four, three, two ones. They're exciting though. Well, that's already start. See, your son not is a liar. Let's see what about this one? Some people take the street path. Oops, this has an ad. Wait, do some not have ads? 
I think it depends how often you in particular have heard it. Oh, I see. Oh, ASU. Okay, that one just comes in. Yes. Okay, you well, to, he claimed that confront, this is true. You need to confront that. He said that, it's true. That man. All right, I want to start here today, Alice. Um, okay, it's not going to work out for you, Alice. I'm meticulous. Mm, I don't know. ASU. I was looking at which companies we play a lot of ads for, and one of them is Carvana. Oh. And Amazon is on there, too. Both of which companies we use pretty extensively. So we endorse that. We do. We do. You guys buy the stuff from them. <laughs> buy Carvana cars. Uh, what do we do with that second car? Uh, I don't know right now. But we, yeah, we, don't, but you'll, we own it outright. But... That could be a new series of podcasts is the mess <laughs> we've gotten ourselves into. Okay. So I want to start today with the affirmative action stuff. And mm -hmm. the college recruiting that's going on, um, and it's kind of the fundamental arguments. And I had forgotten, and I don't remember it at the time because I was too young. But in the eighties, just how how many incredibly strong arguments against this, um, um, Thomas Sowell had made. Right, and he is so good at clarifying the issue here. We all know that racism to eradicate past racism is not good right because then who's the next group who's the well, next group i suppose that if you believe that the reason why there aren't as many black kids in college is because the admissions officers are racist and are keeping black kids out then it would make sense to you that affirmative action would work so if your fundamental belief is that the that on average, black students are just as qualified as white students coming out of high school in terms of test scores and, you know, GPA and interest in doing engineering and all those things. Like, if, if you assume that their high school backgrounds are roughly equivalent, it's just the admissions officers being racist, then it would make sense to have racial quotas, wouldn't it? Yeah, but is is that but the argument not... going for? The argument is that there that there's systemically why system wide racism happening in the systems that make it impossible because of the racist systems for blacks to um, ha do well enough to get into college. It, it, there is something to be said for those oh, inner I think city there... schools sucking too. Yeah, I think there is something to be said for that. Okay. And but... it's not like a lack of funding, I can tell you that. So let's start it there because that's where uh, Thomas Sowell takes it from that point there when you make that decision. Do you believe that mandatory proportional representation benefits minorities? No. In fact, I think one of the great handicaps that uh, blacks and other minorities face across the country is that they are systematically mismatched with universities in the admissions process. That is, if, if Harvard feels that it must have X percent of blacks, and if the pool is such that they can't get X percent of blacks at the same level as the rest of the Harvard students, they're going to take those blacks who would have succeeded in some state university and bring them to Harvard, where many of them will fail. Or MIT is a better example, that the average black student at MIT is in the bottom 10 percent of M MIT students in math. But he is in the top 90% of all American students in math because MIT mm -hmm. students are so phenomenal in mathematics. Something like one-fourth of all the black students going to MIT do not graduate. 
You're talking about a pool of people who score at the 90th percentile in math whom you are artificially turning into failures by mismatching them with the school. And then, by the way, nowadays, and this was probably not as bad in his day when he was giving this talk, but then they also now have a bunch of student debt that they can't pay off. It's an excellent point. Um, It's actually terrible for people, and we saw this with the housing crisis as well. It's actually really, really terrible for people to circumvent the systems that we have in place to decide, like, who we should loan money to, who should get this spot in mm-hmm. a university, and just do it on the basis of race for no reason. Because loaning people money sets the, when they wouldn't ordinarily qualify to borrow that much money is bad for the people themselves, actually. As we can attest, as the Shadows yes. can attest. Yes, and now, It's not a good idea to loan some people money. <laughs> yeah. Now, the best thing about this is after he gives this answer here... Um, a, ve- a very astute, this must be like close to 1990, because a very astute veteran senator, uh, interlocutor, interlocutor, interlocutor? I would, interlocutor, but interlocutor. I don't really know. I read the um, Is about to dispense some knowledge to Mr. Soul. In the, much earlier, you had a great increase of blacks in the universities through the GI Bill. You had nothing like that kind of attrition from that process because the, the student went wherever he could be accepted, wherever he met the normal standards, and the government simply paid the money. I, I, I gather from your comments about MIT and Harvard yeah. that you don't think there's enough blacks out there who are qualified to fill the number of vacancies allotted for them in those schools. Is that right? Is that what you're well, saying? Well, the word, word qualifies really is misleading. Well, the question you, is whether or not they may, they are like the other students at Harvard and MIT. Well, okay. Well, so there's not. So, so they, they may be perfectly qualified. The same student might go to, through. God help us! I hope there's no idea from Illinois, uh, Illinois Institute of Technology, and do well. Right. But, but there's no reason why he should fail at MIT. There's, there's no prestige in flunking out of the Ivy League. I got it. so. But my point is, you believe there are not enough black women and men out there that are the same as white women and men to be able to go through Harvard and MIT. If there were, it would mean that the whole history of oppression had done no harm whatever. Well, so the answer is you don't think there are. I'm not, I just want to no, figure out what it's you're it's saying. question what I think is a factual matter. So factually, well, you're oh, saying factually there are not enough. I believe. So yeah, so this is like the point that I was trying to make earlier, basically, is this is the argument that a lot of lefties make for affirmative action, is that, of course, unless you're a big racist... There must be black students must on average be just as qualified to go to MIT as Asian students on average. They must be. Right. Um, unless you're a racist, why would you say even suggest such a thing? Right. Which, of course, is only designed to cover up their own failures and their own political escapades in disadvantaging minority students for decades in cities and with terrible failing schools with terrible family policy with terrible economic policy with i mean just across the board Mm -hmm. they have failed black students black families black communities Mm -hmm. um with their politics and so instead of looking around to see what it is that's happening to black america and trying to do something about it their preference would be that unless you're a racist we just pretend that nothing has happened to the black community since the civil rights era and 
that we just admit them to Harvard in the same numbers as Asian students. Yeah, and you know what it is? It's shuffling around to the side door to give them an advanced station. So here you go, shuffling to the side door. Here you go. You're now at Harvard. Yay, good luck. And if that doesn't work out, you shuffle around to the next side door and give them reparations. Okay, here you go. Here's your entree. You're now middle class. There you go. Equity is done. There you go. Well, and it covers up their own failures. Oh, yes. It's designed to whitewash the utter failure of great society programs, of, you know, the the welfare programs of the 80s and 90s, the, the de-incarceration programs, like all these policies, the education policies of Democrats, these have all failed the black community and more specifically black kids. And what what we see is the Democrats are trying overtime to cover that up. And if you point out that that their affirmative action policies that they've put forward to cover that up are actually disadvantaging black students for the reasons that we talked about. Like it's bad to loan people money for a degree that's not going to do them as much good because they're not going to be able to do as well in those schools because they were disadvantaged by Democrat policies their entire freaking Mm -hmm. lives. Right. And and, you know, we see that it doesn't just affect the black community, obviously. Like, we see a lot of these same policies impacting poor white people as well, especially as they go on over time. Like, we see, like, some of the, like, drug and family breakdown problems in, like, the poor white communities that we see in the poor black communities. We just see them take effect a little bit later. You mm-hmm. know, y- y- children out of wedlock births are rising amongst white people also but you know it's there's that expression like when white america gets a cold black america gets a fever like you see it worse and first in the black community right Right. so because they already were at various disadvantages to start with which everyone knows you know nobody who argues against this equity stuff and these diversity initiatives thinks that Black people have always had a totally fair shake in America and it's right. like completely made up that there's any disadvantages. No one thinks that. Where people differ is what's the solution to it? The solution is to fix the disadvantages, not to continue disadvantaging the black community right. and then pretend to paper it over by just handing out the You're stuff now. at the end of the game and pretend that everything worked. This is That's not... That's not a solution that helps anybody. No. It actually hurts people way worse, and it's upsetting. Well, it it helps Democrats... guilty white liberals, liberals to feel good about mm-hmm. what they've done to an entire demographic in this country. Yeah. But, Alice, I don't want to take this, away from... This is the same Joe Biden arguing here that Thomas Sowell is racist who was all for locking up black people who do crack, right? Yes. Yes. So that's the same Joe Biden of the same era. Meanwhile, his son's doing crack. I don't know, actually, if his Alice, son was doing crack back then. But Hold on. You are, you're missing Am a I beautiful s- mind at work here. Okay. He is desperately trying to get Thomas Sowell to accept a premise so he can set the trap. <laughs> so hold on. Let's, okay. watch, let's get to listen to this man operate. All right. Factually, this study's already been done by ClickGuard at Harvard, and he, the, the figures are all there. Anyone can look them up. Okay, no, I, 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 I just want to hear from you. Mm-hmm. I, I want sure. to know what you're thinking. Uh, at the University of California at Berkeley, for there example, you go. That the was entering it. freshman class has been described as, quote, wonderfully diverse, unquote, mm-hmm. because the, quote, class... Thomas Sowell just winced when he said that. Closely wonderfully reflects, diverse. reflects the actual ethnic distribution of California high school students. These are your words. More than 70% of black students fail to graduate. Yes. Why? 
because they're mismatched with Berkeley. That is, these students, the average black student at Berkeley is above the national average on test scores. It's just that the average white student is further above the national average, and the average Asian student further above than the white students. And so in that atmosphere, these students who have every qualification to succeed are artificially turned into failures. And the only beneficiary of that is the University of California at Berkeley. Because what they've effectively done is rented these bodies <laughs> for window dressing mm -hmm. for a few years. And, and money. And when they're through with them, they're put aside. A new bunch of bodies are brought in. Window dressing. Woof. Man. Yeah. It, it's... The ways in which people who obsess about how much culpability people like me and you have for the conditions in minority communities, the ways in which they existentially harm those communities from generation to generation is unfreaking believable. Oh, Unbelievable. Yeah. But as long as they're always saying, as long as they're saying the right thing, as long as they're sloganeering correctly, really that's what they're, they care about. Right. Even though it's about demeaning their political opposition, you and I, that's the priority. Mm -hmm. The battle, the journey in demeaning us, feeling good about themselves, and the be damned. Right. To the capital B. Hey, we'll capitalize B in black for you. There you go. You got right. a Black Lives Matter mural now. There you go. But the actual damage is incredible. This is man-caused disaster, what's happening mm -hmm. in these communities for the last 50, almost 60 years now. Right. And, and like I say, it's not just the black community. This is progressive policy. These are the outcomes of progressive policy, but it does hit people who are already a disadvantaged first. Right. So bad policy. It's like the opposite of a rising tide lifts all boats. Like a good mm -hmm. economy is good for everybody in the economy. It's not just good for rich people, even though it is good for rich people, too. When you have harmful policy, when you have terrible schools, which are not underfunded, by the way. There was just a big argument about this on Twitter where um, the inflation-adjusted amount spent per pupil in Pennsylvania um, has gone from $6,000 per pupil to $20,000 per pupil since 1970. So it's more than tripled since 1970. And that's the inflation-adjusted. Mm -hmm. Okay, so a bunch of people were then trying to plug $6,000 into inflation calculators and inflation-adjusted again. But the actual spend per pupil back in 1970 was like $800 per pupil. So inflation adjusted, it's more than tripled, which is crazy. And it's all gone into administrators. And these schools are utterly failing students. It's an embarrassment. It is not a question of funding. It is not a question of money spent because we are pouring more and more and more and more money into these schools and getting worse results. And this is completely failure of liberal policies, union teachers union politics from top to bottom and like mm -hmm. the the embarrassment that liberals feel that their policies have these outcomes and especially have these outcomes for more disadvantaged students manifests in these equity initiatives where they want to give places to students who cannot perform in these schools who don't do as well, who end up saddled with more debt, who aren't able to do the jobs that they're, you know, trying to get after school. Like it, it's so terrible, 
But the failures happened a long time ago in these cities, right? And in, in other types of policies as well, economic policy and all these other things, family policy, the, the way welfare disincentivize people from forming real families that could allow students to properly uh, form attachments and, and everything. You know, it, it's, it's purely political, the reason why this is happening to a lot of poor communities in America, but largely the black community. And um, it's so fascinating because I remember this same instinct, like when we, our town that we used to live in still, like there's a bunch of people that still hate us because we weren't for having a tax override to raise the taxes to give more money to the schools, mm -hmm. which turned out to be prescient given that the schools subsequently mislead two million dollars yeah. <laughs> that they couldn't find then after they eventually did pass the tax override um but anyway like people were so just like viscerally angry at us that we didn't want to dump more money into the schools and like one of the things i got called was a racist because among other things i said like your school's if you make it more expensive to live in this community, your schools will be less diverse. Just to let you guys and, know. And you were the racist for saying that. I was the racist for saying that because they were like, are you saying black people can't afford to live in Melrose? <laughs> and I was like, well, no, I'm saying what is an established fact that liberals tell me all the time, which is that because of lack of generational wealth, lack of solid family structures that allow people to do the type, build up the type of wealth and do the type of borrowing that allows people to buy $800,000 single family homes, you know, you're going to have fewer black people yes. in your town if the average single family home mortgage payment is four thousand dollars like that's right. just you can't get around that with you and and i got called a racist for saying this for saying your schools will now be less diverse you are essentially substituting property taxes for private school tuition right in what you're doing but they love policies that disadvantage black people if it advantages them mm -hmm. um and to call anybody else racist for noticing so the second part of this is a Wall Street Journal opinion piece by Michael Toth says, is your company's DEI program lawful? The Supreme Court's ruling against affirmative action has implications beyond the ivory tower. U.S. Supreme Court last week held racial preferences unlawful in college admissions, but executives of UF, UF, U.S. corporations should read students for fair admissions versus Harvard closely because it will likely end up applying to them. Many companies have pushed racial preferences and quotas under the guise of diversity, equity, and inclusion policies that run contrary to the justice's warning against choosing winners and losers based on the color of their skin. He concludes with, um, Fair admissions rejected. The board and, am and amorphous justifications for racial preferences advanced by Harvard and UNC, UNC, such as these policies broaden knowledge, foster innovation, and enhance empathy. Uh, companies that base their DEI policies on similar grounds should either scrap their policies or reformulate them in a way that is, in the words of the majority opinion, sufficiently coherent for the purposes of strict scrutiny. Additionally, businesses should note that the court and fair admissions refused to defer to universities on why admitting students from certain racial or ethnic categories was necessarily tied with the goals that it was pursuing. Companies shouldn't count on receiving more leeway. Companies should also ensure that diversity training doesn't create a hostile workplace environment, a well-recognized form of employment discrimination under Title VII. Here, the lawsuits have already begun, which is great to hear, isn't it? Yeah, I have seen, too, even, like, 
people saying that they're going to be fired if they won't put pronouns in their email signature or whatever. Right. And like, I totally think a religious hostile work environment, religious based on discrimination, would. Oh yeah, there because and, and a lot of people don't believe that. Well, when you t when you take a lot of these diversity trainings, which are mandatory in businesses right. and in public schools, etc., um, then you have to admit you have it's a struggle session. You have to admit mm -hmm. uh, essentially your sins. Two years ago, Leslie Chris uh, Chislett, a New York City public school teacher, sued the city on the basis of mandatory diversity training sessions, where she was allegedly told that her interest in excellence was consistent with white supremacy. Her, her interest in excellence was consistent with white supremacy. Mm. Well, courts are, by the way, insistence on excellence from students. What's hurting education, I wonder? Stop trying to make them excellent, yeah. white supremacists. While courts are unlikely to micromanage human resource presentations, mandatory employee training that is overtly hostile to employees on the basis of their race is likely to put companies in legal harm's way. For American businesses, fair admissions is an invitation to reground their hiring practice and DEI initiatives around equal opportunity and genuine inclusivity that, as Chief Justice John Roberts puts it, treats citizens as individuals, not as simply components of a racial, religious, sexual, or national, national class. In other words, stop discriminating on the basis of race. Racial quotas, no matter how well-intentioned, are still discrimination. If C-suites don't get the message, they may have to explain themselves in court. And for those companies that believe they are too big or too important to be affected by legal requirements for across-the-board racial equality, ask Harvard how that went. Right. And now I find this super interesting, too, because an activist group um, that likes affirmative action has actually filed now a lawsuit against Harvard um, to try and end legacy admissions. And there was a lot of discourse around this when the Supreme Court affirmative action decision came out. People saying, well, why don't they end legacy admissions? Because that's also unfair. Well, yes, legacy admissions is also unfair. Um, that wasn't the question that was before the court. Somebody has right. to bring a case to right. do it. And I'm not convinced that legacy admissions, while unfair, are illegal because not having relatives who went to Harvard is not really a protected class the way like race, religion, creed, national origin is. Um, so I think you'd have a tough time. And what they're trying to say in the suit is that that legacy admissions advantages students who on average are more white and privileged mm -hmm. than others. For now. Um yeah, um, for now. So that's interesting because the Supreme Court decision specifically says you can talk about, you know, how advantaged or disadvantaged you are in trying to get in or how your race has disadvantaged you in trying to get in and that schools can actually pursue policies that have disparate racial impacts. A lot of schools are now looking at um, essentially privilege scores, right, mm -hmm. where they have ways to rank and like we've seen some people we saw on one of the Sunday shows one of the people from was it from UCLA the admissions or USC, guy one of the two. Um, yeah one of the California universities where racial preference and admissions has been illegal for a while uh, by ballot initiative and they've tried to overturn it a bunch of times and haven't been able to um, but they essentially say we have like a disadvantaged score based on like your zip code and your like wealth and your date Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do all these other factors, and clearly that has an impact by race. You know, they let in more black students than they otherwise would because they score students on how disadvantaged they are. Right. So I would be careful if I were the activist trying to sue to say, like, you can't have admissions policies that have a disparate racial impact, because clearly the way a lot of black students are still getting into the University of California system are getting in there. Because the university is on purpose pursuing policies that have a disparate racial impact for some students. So, you know, so far what the Supreme Court decision is, is that you just can't openly say you have a racial preference in your admissions. But, you know, if you want to push to not do any policies that have a disparate impact by race, then, you know, then those those other like disadvantaged scores and stuff are going to have to go as well, because those definitely have a disparate impact by race. So. It's going to be interesting to see where it goes. I don't think that the left has fully thought that one through. I also don't think they've remotely thought through this um, gay wedding graphic designer um, wedding website case at all. There has been so much foaming at the mouth and insanity about this person who never even was approached to design right. a gay website and like i guess a bunch of people on the left like jen saki did this on msnbc are implying that that means there like wasn't actually any standing for the case to go forward because she hadn't actually been made yet to make a website right um and so i was like then reading more about this and it's actually kind of interesting because the people making that argument like haven't actually looked at the case at all because the state of Colorado um, agreed with all her factual claims at the beginning of the case. These are called like the stipulations for the case. Mm-hmm. They stipulated this and like both the defense and the prosecution agreed. Now it was actually the web designer herself who brought the case against Colorado for like imminent enforcement essentially so she stipulated this is my policy is i will design what websites for gay people i'm not discriminating on the basis of whether or not people are gay but i don't want to design websites that say stuff with which i disagree that's fundamentally expressive content and and if i do that if that is my policy, then the state of Colorado will come after me because they came after the Masterpiece Cake guy and, you know, that that's their policy. And the state of Colorado agreed with that. They agreed with that factual statement at the beginning of the case. They said, yes, if that is her policy, we will come after her. 
We Wait. agree. We will enforce this against her. And we will make her design gay wedding websites as a part of our policy. So that was a st and we and they actually also agreed with the stipulation that it is expressive content. That was stipulated as a part of this case was that she said designing a website that celebrates a wedding is expressive content. And the state of Colorado will make me do that for a wedding that I disagree with on religious grounds. And Colorado said, yep, it's expressive content. And yep, we will make you do it. <laughs> if, it come, if it comes up, then yes, we will make you do that. So, so, so the state of Colorado agreed with all these. Performative symbolizing from the state of Colorado? Essentially, in their case, they agreed with all those stipulations and essentially said, we have the right to, as our non-discrimination law, we have the right to make this woman make websites for gay couples. So the fact that all these people on the left are saying there was no standing for her to sue the state of Colorado is not the case because the state of Colorado agreed with her from the beginning that they absolutely, yes, would enforce this, that it is expressive content and they would force her expressive speech, at which point it became very, very difficult for them to win this case because... They agreed with all those stipulations at the beginning. And you can't, like, unagree in court once you've, like, agreed to the facts of the case. You can't, like, go back and say, no, we've changed our mind. It's not actually expressive content, like, during the appeals process. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because, yeah, they've already, like you said, stipulated it. So... Right. I don't. Yeah. It, so it's over before right. it started. Right. So, but their their position, the actual official position in this court case, was that yes, but we're the state and we have an interest in compelling this speech. Right. So that's what you have to prove if you're going to mandate some kind of expressive content. You have to prove if you're basically for the First Amendment. If you're going to force some kind of First Amendment thing on people like some kind of speech, you have to prove that the state has a compelling interest in regulating that speech or expressive content. And you have to prove that there's no less restrictive way to do it than the way that you're doing it. Those are like the requirements of the law. So the state can regulate expressive content, right? Like the state can, yes. if I, I can't put up a big billboard in my yard that says F you with the word spelled out, like the state could, say that you know my town could say like we have a compelling interest not to yeah. allow you to have a billboard on the main street of our town that well, says right F -U. for obscenity reasons or if you're there's something threatening that you had or or uh, right explicit you know, obscene yeah right yeah so the state has a compelling interest in regulating some expressive content so essentially what the state of colorado was trying to argue is that that their interest in making sure that gay couples get the same access to this woman's website services, that, that that interest is so compelling for the state of Colorado that, and there's no less restrictive way to do it, that they have to regulate her speech and force her to make these websites for gay couples. So even though they never actually made her make a website for a gay couple, they agreed with her that they would. So... There absolutely is standing. Nobody challenged that because the state of Colorado agreed with it from the beginning. So it's kind of a fascinating case that all these liberals on Twitter have decided that like they now know more about the case because yes, it's it's really an it's I thought it was kind of legally an interesting circumstance. Right, but there, but of course the focus is on the wrong party. It's like talk to your guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to also hit uh, quickly. 
once again, regardless of what happens, you never the left never adjusts its uh, ideology whatsoever. No. What regardless of what happens, this is Jen Psaki's latest take on why some Muslims are mad um, that they're that the left is sexualizing kids. I like so that we, we get to talk been about noticing her. the I like reemergence of her a. Now. Don't you? That we're back to talking about Saki. Yeah. So lately, I've been noticing the reemergence of a very old GOP playbook that harkens back to President Richard Nixon's infamous Southern strategy. During his campaign for president in 1968, the Republican Party made a concerted effort to reach white Southerners who used to vote for Democrats by playing to their fears of African-Americans and the civil rights movement. This is a highly flawed canard that she's saying right Right. now. And it worked. By pitting one group of Americans against another, the GOP successfully managed to split off Southern whites from the Democratic Party. Now, Democrats had done so, so much incredibly bad branding that there are many Dixie Democrats who wanted law and order in the country that they used to know. They didn't like what the new Democrats rolling in uh, from the Northeast Mm -hmm. were doing. Decades later, the right wing is reviving that same playbook, this time with Muslim Americans and trans people. Hear me out here. The GOP is trying to recruit Muslim Americans, a community that makes up less than 2% of the U.S. population, against another tiny marginalized group of Americans, transgender people. It's important to remember that back in 2011, during the Republican primary, the right wing had designated Muslim Americans as public enemy number one. No surprise. They did? They did. I don't recall this. I was Mm. in the right wing. Public enemy number one was Muslim (laughs) Americans? Yeah. What how year? Many? Sorry. Say again. 2011. Okay. Who was the? How many Muslim Americans were on those planes that hit hit stuff? In 9/11. Yes. Uh, I think it was about 20 hijackers altogether, right? 19. How many of them were Americans? Um, none. Correct. Okay. So yeah. there was no Muslim Americans. Our right. enemy number one. Surprise! Okay. Given that conspiracy theorists remember the birthers, I do, had been trying for years to portray President Obama as a Trojan horse for Sharia law. Republican after Republican candidate... Well, she also wouldn't release his birth certificate until Donald Trump made him. Right. Which was weird. It was weird that he wouldn't release his birth certificate. He could have cleared up the birther thing from the start. But also, I I would suggest that this is insincere because we all saw President Obama's religious leader right <laughs> and um, the issue wasn't that he was muslim it was the type of christian that he was right <laughs> fear about the fabricated threat posed by an islamic legal doctrine debated by scholars for centuries to them the imaginary prospect of sharia law in this country was scarier than gun violence climate change so listen to maddow try to bring tangents and and string left field theories together is bad enough this is weak effing sauce. Just because Tucker does a monologue doesn't mean that everybody can. Right. And more important to discuss than, say, millions of people who didn't have health care. I do not believe in Sharia law in American courts. I believe in American laws 
in American courts. If we think that there is an undermining now, just wait if Sharia is adopted or utilized by justices in the United States. Accepting Sharia in the United States would be the end of our civilization as we know it. No jurisdiction will tolerate having Sharia imposed in the United States of America. The end of our civilization as we know it, say he says. Of course, there was no chance Sharia law was going to is be implemented. Is she going to bring this around to using Muslims? Where, where, are we, where have we used division now? How are we doing it now? Entered in the United States. Now, Trump's origin story is the birther movement is a part of that. But all of this also set the stage for him to make this declaration as a candidate in 2015. Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. Now fast forward eight years and the right wing has focused their fear mongering on trans people. And who better to go after the new enemy than the old enemy? I don't think that concatenates. <laughs> I don't think it does. You know, it, it, they had be a roll around of Republicans are so mean to Muslims that they turn them into Republicans. Right. That's, That's the exactly argument. exactly right. Because the trans people are the new Muslims. It's crazy, too, because... I think the truth is that the trans people are twerking in front of kids, and Republicans and Muslims have a problemo with that. Right. The left has gone so insane that now Muslims are embracing the GOP. Um, and... It's interesting because so there have been um, several cases where a bunch of this like gay stuff in schools has upset large Muslim communities. Yeah, there was like one in uh, Maryland where you had Muslim parents protesting against. That's what all she's this talking stuff. about. And then. No, I know that. I know yeah. that she's talking about it, but I'm just giving some specific examples. And then also in um, in a city in Michigan called Hamtramck. I guess it's how I don't know how to say the name of the city. Anyway, it's a city in Michigan has a big Muslim population. Back in 2015, they became the first American city to elect a Muslim majority city council. In 2022, it became the first American city to have an all Muslim government. It now also has an all male elected government, oh my which goodness. the left doesn't love. That's and they also banned flying pride flags on public property. Oh, no. Which was not what the left thought they were going to get when they had an all-Muslim government. That's beautiful. We're moving there. <laughs> I know. I mean, we'll probably get along better with the and people by the there way, than a bunch of the people this? around us right now. Don't you love this, what Saki's saying? Mm -hmm. By the way, in the 60s, the, um, the Republicans managed to manipulate the dumb, uh, slack-jawed black voters... Uh, no, slack-jawed white voters in the South, and now the dumb slack-jawed Muslims are listening to them. Oh, right. You know? And, like, they, there's been a bunch of articles in the wake of the Supreme Court affirmative action ruling as well about how proximity to whiteness has now radicalized a lot of Asian Americans. Like, no, maybe they just got sick of being discriminated against by you guys. Like, did that ever occur to you? Like, maybe they weren't, uh, you know... Maybe they weren't radicalized except by things that you were choosing to do to their community. Like, right. do they ever? Do they ever? It's the like, guy who punched the Asian lady last week is pushing people into the trains this week. And you set him free to do it. Right. They're taking it personal. 
Yeah, no, but it's somehow the GOP radicalized them with like some new version of the Southern strategy. Like maybe not. Maybe it's you. It's like the Taylor Swift song, I'll stare directly at the sun but never in the mirror, right? <laughs> it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Like, do they ever stop and think that maybe they're the problem? No. That maybe they're radicalizing people against their I own I had a problem policy? today, Alice. How dare you, by the way? You are getting uppity. How am I getting uppity? You hesitated today when I spilled my hot sauce while on the air in WTIC. You know I was making way for you to clean it, but you hesitated, making it clear that if you did get down there and clean it, then there was going to be some discord with me. To be honest, the Mm -hmm. overpowering smell of hot sauce in the room was making me very nauseous, and I'm pregnant, and I was concerned that it wouldn't add to the environment in your room as you're trying to, on the air, deal with your spilled hot sauce if I also threw up in the (laughs) room (laughs) (laughs) So It's a delightful (laughs) smell and a delightful taste. It's Chelsea Fire Wicked Hot Sauce, Alice. Did you realize that? I did realize that. Did you realize what this... I did, because I'm going to be traveling. I wanted to hit two more topics. Okay. um, uh, One is that... Indiana Jones had kind of a tough weekend. It wouldn't be a terribly tough weekend for a normal movie. Mm-hmm. They did like $60 million, which is not like really bad, but it's not good for a movie that cost almost $300 million to make and with marketing cost them about $450 million to create and market. Um, I don't see how they're going to get up to that to make that back. I don't see how anybody... like. Has Hollywood just given up? <laughs> they Seriously. Have. They have. They've just given up. You know how the, the um, um, what's it called? OSJL. Ocean mm-hmm. Street Job Lot just has like stuff that kind of whimpered and died in the vine in right. the food section that you can have. It's like a knockoff of a, of a Hydrox. You know, that's that kind of knockoff. It's like mm-hmm. they've got cases of them where the companies just kind of had their last gasp. That's what it seems like the Hollywood is now. It's like we don't yeah. really know how to do it anymore. The, I mean, do they do anything that's not totally derivative? Our kids were talking about how they're going to make a Toy Story 5. That's unbelievable. Way to, way to embarrass the I franchise. I just saw some kind of promotional thing for they're going to do what, the Marvels. That's like Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel. And, like, and unfortunately, the people the in-house, you know, they still have all the and... activists working in-house. So it'll be, there'll be a, definitely a, a drag. It's so exhausting. They, they But they haven't made like a single original good quality movie like since Frozen, I guess, would be the closest thing that they've done. Or Inside Out. Yeah, Frozen's after Inside Out, though, I think, isn't it? No. Or no, Inside Out's after. Yeah. But yeah, just like incredible, like terrible decision making all around. Good. Like it, it's astonishing what they're doing to their own company. But that seems to be the trend there's and I know there's like a thousand stories of the woke companies, but just sometimes they're so egregious that you have to like look a little bit. So Bethany Mandel tweeted this today, um, which is she's um, Orthodox Jewish. I mean, she's a convert, but she's Orthodox, a practicing Orthodox Jewish person. Um, and she shops at a variety of like modest women's clothing stores. Mm-hmm. So she shops in particular um, at this one company where um a lot of people who, Muslim women, Christian women, Orthodox Jewish women, various women who want to dress modestly in these kind of traditional styles shop for these dresses that are kind of these like pioneer looking dresses. A lot of people would find them probably 
kind of frumpy, mm-hmm. honestly, and like they're like cottage core or whatever. Cottage core? What does that mean? Well, cottage core is the description for that type of style where you're like into flowy pioneer flower dresses and I would like, assume that would be having, like a, like a new report thing. Having tea and like you know going out to your chickens and your fluffy pioneer. Because you're not dress. all over that. Oh, I am though, yeah. but I mean, kind of in in ways. Um, but anyway, they, uh, have on their Instagram hired a man to model a bunch of the dresses. But the dresses aren't made for men's bodies. They're made for women's bodies. No. And this is not a trans woman. This This is is a a dude with like a beard. Right. Um, Modeling the dresses on their Instagram. So... I don't see how you're supposed to see... The company's name is Sonda Flora, and it's like, how I style this Sonda Flora dress. I believe, Alice... Now, I'm not sure, and I don't want to degrade you here, but mm-hmm. I believe that you have female hips and a bust yeah. and other female things that would be paired with some of these clothes. Exactly. But he does not. No. Of course okay. he doesn't. So then why don't, they, why don't they just get a baboon to, to wear the model of clothes? I know. Why not put it on a horse? It doesn't yeah, make any seriously. sense. Seriously. Oh, please do. <laughs> doesn't oh. make any sense. And what's even more nuts is people are commenting on the Instagram post saying, like, I'm not going to support this company. This is so offensive. You're erasing women. This is not like... This is offensive to me as a woman that you're putting this dress on some dude and expecting me to buy it. And... um. He, the mo- guy modeling the dress, the model, the style, the fashion influencer, or whatever he is, is going through and replying to the comments saying, like, see ya and stuff. Oh, that's fantastic. So how freaking obnoxious is that? Like, I mean, this is, like, worse than the Dylan Mulvaney thing. Imagine, I mean, Dylan Mulvaney has put on, like, a complete pity party about how mean everybody has been to him since the whole Bud Light fiasco and how it's so unfair and Bud Light didn't stand by him and whatever. But, like, imagine if Dylan Mulvaney, in the wake of the Bud Light thing, had been, like, where Bud Light had that plaintive Twitter post where they were, like, TGIF and, like, everybody was yelling at them in the comments. Imagine if Dylan Mulvaney had been in the Twitter comments being, like, Bud Light doesn't need you anyway. Like, what an insane thing to let this person do how can they possibly oh amazing how beautiful but Dylan Mulvaney have you seen the recent thing with yeah, him yeah he's seen... lost like he's dead he's a showing lot, signs there's a lot of psychological uh, issues yes. going on there, oddly enough say. he's showing signs it appears that maybe he wasn't really a six-year-old girl I'm starting to think maybe it's possible it's possible but yeah just astonishing behavior by a company and um, I stole your line and, and retweeted it about the horse without attribution. Oh, that's okay. That's fine. Somebody gets in trouble, it can be you. It's Good. fine. So anyway, um, that is what I had. We can now go to the Chelsea Fire Wicked Hotline, which is brought to us by the fabulous Chelsea Fire Wicked Hot Sauce, which I refuse to clean up off the floor of your studio during mm-hmm. your radio show today. Well, it <laughs> smells like it now, and that is a good thing. No, it, it, well, for me, it's You not. get on your plane and leave us, me and mm-hmm. my hot sauce. Uh, we have two messages today, Alice. Maybe that's because you um, condescended to the uh, the chat chat contributors once again. I don't think it was me. Kindly encode your chat chats correctly. That's not what I did. Steve, not from Merrimack. Hey, Tom. Steve from Gloucester. How are you doing? I'm really surprised that you didn't get the Alice Hyatt reference 
it was from the old 80s sitcom Alice where they were in the diner with Mel and Vera and Flo. Of course. And there was that old saying of kiss my grits. Yes. I really thought you would have got that. I knew kiss my grits. And um, I just didn't remember. Actual Mel's Diner is still operational in Phoenix, Arizona. And I had gone there maybe like a year or so ago, and it's just one of those old eighty sitcoms that I Love really it. thought you would have got. So I would have. I, I don't know. I'm a little, a little upset about you not getting that one, Tom. Steve, I did not know her name. I didn't know her name, but yeah, fun fact: when I lived. So now that you know that, which Alice had it worst. I don't remember in sp- particular. The other one was from the Honeymooners, but, 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 and yeah. that's that one. And then there was a third one that I, I didn't also- have enough. I've watched Alice a few times, but uh, there was one where Robert Goulet was on it, I believe, as a guest star, who uh, stayed at the Poland Spring Resort. Yes, yeah. if you want to hear all about the Poland Spring Resort, there's a lot more on the yeah. All You Can Eat podcast. But so, so I had my dance card was full. I had Tales of a Gold Monkey, Simon and Simon, sometimes uh, Magnum, The Dukes of Hazard. Mm-hmm. I mean, these were important must-see TV shows I, uh, I mean my goodness um but um but that kid who played her son mm-hmm. used to be spotted all the time at that bar class of 47 in newport beach when i lived there and people would say that he comes in here i may he may have even like name dropped i think he was in there when i was in there one time it was a weird time uh steve from alton nh well, look at this alice i like alton nh you do mm-hmm. you, have you been there uh, one of my, yeah, I have actually. One of your boyfriends was from there? <laughs> well, he wasn't, but his grandparents were, so they had a Oh, house, I know who you're there. talking about. Very Trumpy town. Uh-huh. Mm. And, um, I had been on his sailboat there and stuff. We sailed Talk to Wolfboro. Talk about a, a yacht bunny. <laughs> did they make you crank stuff or were you just sunning on the deck? Uh, no, I cranked. So. You didn't? Oh, well. Mm, I did. No comment. Hi. Hey, Steve from Merrimack. <laughs> Hi, I did really enjoy the Zepruder film like analysis of Pete Buttigieg's interview with <laughs> Margaret Brennan. True. Uh, <laughs> and she is very attractive. Yes. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> like the third or fourth time you went to listen to it, all I could hear was Kevin Costner saying, back like and to the, the left. left. Back and to, to the, the left. left. Thank you. My pleasure. Yeah, there was it was a close analysis. But sometimes you got to do that. You got to go all NCIS or whatever that's called on this stuff. That's mm-hmm. you find you find some good stuff. It's the producer in me, Alice. Anyway, thank you all so much for listening. Appreciate it. Appreciate appreciate all you guys in the live chat. Appreciate the Steves for leaving messages on the chat chat. Um, and yeah, so leave those chat chat messages. That's at burnbarrelpodcast.com. If you want to join the Patreon and be in the live chat, that's at. Um, patreon.com slash burn barrel and of course you can always find it for free wherever you listen to podcasts and on youtube and on rumble all those places say la vie hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.